Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up. Hey, everybody. Ears up podcast. We're back. We're back in the stewed. The stewed is uh, my shorthand for studio now, guys. What do you think? I think it's cool. I think the kids will love it. It's like stud explaining it, but it's but it's not. It's stewed. We're in the stewed today, boys and girls. We're stewing it up. Well, and when you have to explain your your new slang, it's yeah. that's always a really good sign. Think so? Yep. Oh man. Yeah. It also works with the high temperatures of the world today. Oh, it is horrible. Aren't, aren't we all a little stewed? Yes. Yes. That's yes. absolutely true, man. You know, not to be graphic, but uh, you know, Taryn and I walk to uh, we walk Alice to school. In the morning, because it's like, you know, four or five blocks away. And then, terribly graphic. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we walk home, we get our steps in, and then we walk back to pick her up. And it has been a friggin' nightmare at the end of the day. It's, you know, <clears throat> 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, depending on what time she gets out. And it is boiling. Yeah. It is boiling out here. Oh, and today gosh. it was 7, when were we walking? 7.50. And like you step outside, like it's already hot and muggy because there's like a humidity factor that we're just not used to up here. And it was bad, man. And so we we went to go pick her up and then we came back and uh, I was, you know, I was like, man, I'm going to take a nap because I got a show tonight. I didn't sleep well last night. So I'm going to go take a nap. So I go in the in the bedroom, shut the door, take my shorts off to put on like my jammy shorts or whatever. And I was sweaty. <laughs> and my 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 undergarments were sweaty and that has rarely happened to me and it was gross and i didn't like it and i'm like what is going on right now in the world today where we have just this level of humidity in northern california i hate it so much it's called global but, warming i don't know there was a some sort of tv event yesterday uh last night where everybody on the tv event said that it, that's not even a problem so i don't know i can't <laughs> believe you mm. Yeah, that's fair. What altitude do you live at in, in um, your, your town? Essentially sea level. It's like two, three hundred feet above oh, sea level. Okay. Yeah. I won't I won't comment about the heat at my altitude. No, I'm sure it's hot, but I think you have a dry <laughs> heat, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, I mean, we had a we had a major storm just a little bit ago, so it's actually cooled off a lot and I've got my window open to the studio and hoping some will filter in, but it's also just a small office, so um it probably won't until I open up the door. This is the problem with our, with yeah. with our with the studio here, where it's like it's such a small room. It's like two hundred square feet, if that, or whatever. Maybe it's a hundred, and it's just bad. Like I got a fan blowing in here, but you can't even feel it. It just doesn't do yeah. anything. But it's the same thing we've been complaining about for five years. You know, when, since we moved here um, on every friggin' show in the summertime. So you've got fewer people in the room these days. I was just saying that <laughs> yeah. nothing against Bev and Terrence, but like, I would not want them here right now. They pump, they pump <laughs> out a lot of heat. Like four people in this tiny room would just, yeah, it's a lot that would max it out. No, it's a lot. We're actually going to be hearing from Terrence tonight. Terrence recorded a little bit of uh, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a thing for, uh, for Terrence segment. Taryn, what is your show again? What are we doing tonight? You're it's your show tonight. What's up? Uh, tonight we are doing our, um, we're going to talk about the sailing ship Columbia. The sailing ship? Yes. Put stuff in your eyes? No, the sailing. Sailing. Oh God. Okay. That's my fault. Sailing ship Columbia. All right. This yeah. is the part two of the river traffic, the rivers of America traffic. Yes, sir. Which you can tell we're in California because it's all we talk about is traffic. Either it's on the road or it's on the river. Yeah. What are you going to do, right? What's a river without traffic? What's a road without rivers? We're going to do that. Eric yeah. is going to, Eric is going to give us a, uh. A little window treatment, if you know what I mean. That's what it should be called. Eric's window treatments. <laughs> where you can, right. Yeah, you can either talk about patterns in, in curtains, uh, blinds versus shutters, or who's on the main street windows. And hey, everybody, if you um, if you order window treatments for your entire house this weekend um, or uh, through through Labor Day, it's our Labor Day sale. Um, you'll get twelve dollars off the entire order. Wow. So Please act now. 
<laughs> Huge savings. Huge savings. Yes, enormous savings for Labor Day. <laughs> if you want savings, and it's more like savings off of labor, is contact concierge.com if you're planning a trip to the parks, which is their bread and butter, but they will help you plan essentially any vacation. But you go to concierge.com right now, book your stuff, book your trip, sign up. You'll meet with a concierge, a professional planner, which update on our trip. Jimmy finally got back to me. He said, hey, man, we need to reconnect on your trip in, in January. If you're still going, I said shrug emoji. Um, <laughs> he's like, because 2024 just opened up to book park resis and hotel resis. Normally, he, he's like, I thought it would be like late May, early June. Turns out I was wrong. And it's now. So uh, we're going to reconnect probably tomorrow and, and go over dates. But anyway, that's the kind of level of service you have with concierge. You don't actually need to remember to check back on the calendar when you're about to book a trip. They will do it for you. If you're trying to plan too far in advance, you don't have to wait. You don't have to set a reminder. You don't have to get hotel reservations, park reservations, dining reservations, anything like that. Concierge will help you out. Nice. They'll do it for you. And it's no extra charge. It's free. It's a free service that they offer. Um, you just have to pay for the park and, you know, hotel and stuff. The normal stuff you pay yeah. for. Yeah. All the normal stuff that you pay for. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. It's not free. It's not free, no. But They're not the, going to give you a free trip, although that would be a great business model yeah, the, for yeah, me. Just sign up and just get free trips. <laughs> if, you know, if, if we win the lottery, we get a couple billion dollars. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to open up a, a, a business that just gives away free vacations to people. That's a great idea. Thanks. Um, you will run out of money. Yeah. Well, I know. But what's money? You just, you just buy another lottery ticket. Make some more. That's how and that that's works. A, yeah. Billionaire's <laughs> mentality right there. Yeah. He got the one. <laughs> I saw um, this dude on uh, on TikTok. I mean, everybody knows him, Mr. Beast, which I, that guy creeps me out. He's really creepy. Anyone who has kids knows who Mr. Beast is. I've seen like pictures of him where he's smiling and his eyes are like deader than a shark's. He just no emotion from the nose up. It's really weird. I don't know who this is. He does viral videos. He's a, a multi multi millionaire off of YouTube videos and stuff. He has like challenges Jeez. and stuff. And then he has franchises for like Mr. Beast burgers and Mr. Beast chocolate and Mr. Beast blah, blah, blah. Wow. Um, yeah, he's a super young kid. And he's like, I'm, it's not even about money anymore. He's like, I've literally bought everything I want. Like, I don't care about it. So he just like, gives a bunch of money away. But it's all that fake, what I call fake philanthropy, where it's I'm going to give it away, but I'm going to video it and make money off of the money I'm giving away on YouTube. Mm. And it's like, OK, oh, you know, cool. Um, anyway, he goes, I had an idea for a YouTube channel. Uh, he's like, basically, you start a YouTube channel and you take the ad revenue from that YouTube channel. And you this is how out of touch he is, because he just thinks, oh, you start a YouTube channel, you're getting money instantly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but what are you putting on there to generate the money anyway? Start a YouTube channel where you just buy scratchers and you just sit and you scratch them off and you just keep playing until you win the lottery. It's like every video is just you scratching them off. He's like, I think it would work. Like nobody's doing that. I kind of hate. I, mean, I, I kind of hate that, but I kind of want to do it. So, I kind of want to do that. I'm so over millionaires. Just be like a you know, hundred bucks a month, and you sit there and you scratch off a hundred tickets. But I don't think I don't even think a hundred. I don't even think a, a one video a month would be enough to generate the follows. That you would need, I think that would be better on a TikTok channel, honestly, instead of a YouTube channel. Yeah, I think TikTok, TikTokers I think can make work. more money and you don't need as many views or the, because YouTube, you have to have a lot of hours invested from your people already. Then you can start making money. So you need a thousand followers. And I want to say it's like 44,000 hours of watch content or something like that. Then you're, then you're eligible for the ad sharing. Mm. But TikTok is, is not really like that. It's a little bit easier. To get into and the algorithm's different so yeah. people can just for example the, our last show we did uh was on duffy the bear not the, our last show but the last show i posted about on tiktok i did a little tiktok about it and it was me just talking about the books i'm reading which literally haven't touched since that show just so you know just to be clear <laughs> that, Good. that one's next yeah <laughs> it's got like fifty-three thousand views on tiktok and then the video after it is like not even 900 and the video before <laughs> it is like 600 the algorithm is so weird on tiktok and it really does sort of react to what your content is and what you're watching and how long you watch the video and whatever. And it's just, it's, I don't know, man, it's weird. It's yeah. weird. Well, well, let's shop this out for just a second. Okay. What's your reaction when you win $1 on your scratcher? I basically I feel like I wasted my time. Like it's not okay. even, it's not even no, a no, thing. No, 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 let's, let's act this out. You're, you're scratching. Okay. Oh, okay. Scratching, right. scratching, scratching. 
Oh, oh hey, look, I got a dollar. Well, um, you know, I'll put that in the pile of the other dollars to give myself paper cuts with and bathe in lemon juice because it's basically I would rather do that than take this in and cash it in. Okay. All right. All right. You won ten dollars. Ten bucks. Not bad. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. All right. I mean, I don't know, man. You know what I mean? I, but you're right. You got to have a thing where I think if you want to <laughs> if you want to do it. You have to have almost punishments if you don't win anything. You have to do something to yourself, like pluck out a nose hair or something like that. You know what I mean? Take a shot. Do if you're if you're if you're punishing yourself for not winning, that would be a better chance. I think you're sort of even punished for winning a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars because then you have to go back to seven eleven, turn it in. And I don't know why there's this this is for my therapist, not for you guys, but (laughs) it feels embarrassing to me to go and turn in my scratcher for five dollars oh absolutely absolutely dude i would never you know one only if you immediately buy cigarettes with it (laughs) (laughs) one time my dad uh won he won like 50 bucks on a scratcher this is this is when i was like 12 and he and he lost it it was like on the windowsill and my friend justin had come over to spend the weekend and whatever and like he lost it my dad accused this man this boy (laughs) of stealing this month this this lottery ticket and it was like and i remember very clearly that he put it over the windowsill on the windowsill it was over a, a floor vent mm. but that could never have been the case it, it didn't just fall someone had to have taken it yeah and he was bl- mm. he blamed my friend like forever like he never he never had to come back it was this whole <laughs> oh, thing yeah it was really bad dude i mean i may have blamed him too but oh man <laughs> you guys are ruthless dude i know <laughs> no, that's the, I mean, if it's over a vent, I mean, did he try and shine a flashlight down there? I don't, that I don't remember, but you know, still you're blaming a 12 year old yeah. child. I mean, it's not cool for, for, cause you've lost a thing. Like, I, that's not what I would do. I would Why never would, just yeah. sit there and hammer that home. And it was not just one time. It was for weeks on end. Cause it's my dad, right? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> let's get to the show. Eric, let's talk about a, a window. window. You got a window going on for us, huh? We don't have a theme music for you, and I feel naked without it. Just add a, a ton of reverb. It's time for window treatments. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There I you just, go. I just wrote it for you. Thanks, man. Uh, Wade B. Rubottom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love this. There you go. We've got Wade coming up. Everybody's been clamoring for more Wade content Absolutely. around here. Yes. Well, Wade B. Rubottom was born on July 26th. 1903 and he passed away on july 31st 1997 got that last independence day in there everybody i know it's what we all want yes uh he worked for for wed from 1954 to 1955 not a long time and this fellow has has a window on main street now these okay. these yeah he was one of the art directors for Main Street USA. Uh, he was actually one of the employees working for Marco Engineering with CV Wood. This was the company that uh, was hired by Walt to come in and help do design elements around the parks. This is how CV got involved, how he met Walt, how he started developing his own kind of crew within the Disney crew early on. Uh, but uh, but Wade was very important for the development of Main Street USA and its design elements. After uh, after the park opened, he was um, he was honored with a a window above the Disney Gallery in Town Square. This is one of those windows that's just it it literally reads top line Wade B Rue bottom bottom line George Patrick. Hmm. More on George to come, everybody. But yeah, just one of those window one of the early Main Street windows that just said these are some people uh, you don't have an internet internet to look them up on so good luck figuring out who they are <laughs> but we thought they were important well, and uh, yeah good for them when uh wade left this uh this particular job he actually followed cv wood as he was kicked out of disney and went on with him to his next two big projects uh one of them I, i've talked about them a little bit in some cv wood content before uh we'll get into them a little bit more i'm sure over over time but 
Uh, he was one of the major designers of Magic Mountain in Golden, Colorado, which became Heritage Square. It's a it it was it is no longer operating, but was a large uh, themed sort of old west town um, clinging to the base of the mountains in Golden, Colorado. And uh, he also was the main designer of Freedomland USA, a very large CV Wood uh, joint. That was basically a copy of Disneyland in a lot of ways. Uh, he was the lead director on on the design for the entire the entire park and was particularly involved with the little old New York area set during the latter portion of the 19th century. Uh, this area included a replica of the Macy's famous Herald Square store uh, in New York City. And uh, yeah, that's um, it's kind of his claim to fame. He continued to ride this out. He eventually joined Randall Duell and Associates to continue making theme parks through the 1960s and 1970s. When he retired, he built a house down in Malibu and um, lived out his days as a guy who made a bunch of theme parks based on the turn of the century. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's always interesting how people will, whenever you're trying to replicate things from the past, it's generally popular to go like Victorian era or the rounded turn of the century. And it's really weird because it was a terrible time for <laughs> most people, unless you were rich, you had hygiene problems all over the place. You probably got diphtheria just by looking at a puddle. Yeah. But you know, the architecture was cool and some of the clothes were OK if you could afford them. Um, mm -hmm. And so that there we go. We're like, that's it. We're done. That's let's just do everything. Turn of the century. Let's do everything. 1875, 1880, something like that. <laughs> right. Just I don't know. Yeah. I find it and funny. that's it. Let's let's just set a, a wide swath of 50 years and we'll define an era and say, hey, there it goes. And here since this worked on on TikTok last time, I'm holding up a book this time. Let's, <laughs> let's get it. Freedom Land USA, uh, the story of Freedom Land USA. It's the definitive history by Michael R. Virgentino, and I haven't started reading it, but I will someday. Oh, well, don't forget to break the spine. It Ugh. pissed Karen yes. off. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants that. <laughs> no one wants that. Oh, no. Um, this, this spine will be unrecognizable on the shelf Ugh. in just a few months. There you go. Awful. Awful. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that aren't awful, Taryn, summer is blatantly here, as we talked about for the last hour on the you know beginning of the show. And our friends of the 21st Amendment are celebrating the return of the warmer days with their popular and everyone's favorite seasonal beer, Hell or High Watermelon Wheat. And I interrupted this read on the on In-Depth, which I haven't posted yet, to say that watermelon wheat is, you know, it's fine. But there's this uh, Hell or High Mango now. This mango one is delish. I think so I like good. it. I think I like it more than the watermelon. Watermelon's fine, but the mango sort of sometimes has this like tart thing that watermelon doesn't. And it makes it even like a little more refreshing. I can definitely and confidently say that I like the mango better, but I like mango better than watermelon, mm. period, as a fruit. Yeah, I mean, watermelon as a flavoring I, I'm not a big fan of, but watermelon as a fruit, I cubed up ice cold right out of the fridge. You can't, I, you can't, you literally cannot stop me from eating it. I, I just, I it's one of those things, man. It's that <laughs> texture. It's the coldness. I just, it feels so good. But mango is great. This is a great beer. Hell or high watermelon wheat, of course, is, is, you know, great. But uh, if you can get the mango wherever good beer is sold, check that out as well. And whenever you're out here in the Bay Area, go and stop in the 21st Amendment San Francisco Brew Pub at 563 2nd Street, just two blocks from Giant Stadium. And also visit their brewery tap room just across the bay in San Leandro, which uh, Taryn and I were at on Sunday for my nephew's uh, Memorial Golf Tournament sort of after party thing. And uh, it's a good place, man. Brought home some beers, had some beers there. And uh, it was very scary for me, but uh, fine. It's All right. I'm sure it'll be fine. Oh, I should. I shouldn't have scuffed. I realized why I was scared. Yeah, <laughs> I'm indoors with a I'm mask. Like, oh, but, sorry. Uh, it's oh, funny because yeah. like, uh, you know, someone in on like my uh, sister-in-law side of the family, I forget the man's name, actually. So I apologize. I'm just not very smart right now. But, uh, you know, I was like tapping my brother on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get out of here. And he's like, oh, I didn't see you. And this and uh, I think it's anyway, uh, I don't want to say his name. He's like, oh, yeah, you didn't you walked right by him, Pete, when you came in. He's like, I did. He goes, yeah, you know, he's the guy wearing the mask. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I go, yep, that's even though I, you can't see my face, you know exactly who I am. Yep. The only people wearing it's like, all right, whatever, man. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. Or what are you going to do? Right. Um. OK, Taryn, what do you think? Let's do um, let's jump into your window or yeah. your window. Jimmy, Christmas. Window. Let's jump through a window. Hey. 
And into the rivers of America. (laughs) That's a whole different show. Yeah. Um, Continuing on our journey through the rivers of America, today I'm going to bring you the second part of our three-part series, River Traffic. A few episodes back, we talked at length about the history of the Mark Twain Riverboat with its literary tie-ins and opening day sinkage. But by contrast, the sailing ship Columbia is more rooted in illiteracy. And while this special... And while this vessel didn't sink, tragedy does strike on this otherwise massive and marvelous ship. Like your uh, dentures slipped for a second. Yeah. Do you hear that in the like every time I talk, I hear um, fuzz. I, if you don't hear it, that's fine. But I mean, I sort of I mean, it's just your microphone. OK. I don't know, man. I'm you know what? Um, just don't talk. <laughs> OK. Oh, OK. I think Show's that, over. Yeah, I think do, that'll do, be do, fine. Do, 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 do. Um, I think you're OK. You know, that's probably why your level was was a little low. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, go ahead and try it. If it's fine for you, it's fine. It's fine. I just wanted to. Bring Nothing it up. is fine for me. Okay. Well. Yeah. Good. By contrast, the sailing ship Columbia is more rooted in illiteracy. And while this vessel doesn't sink, tragedy does strike on this otherwise massive and marvelous ship. So here is mm. the history of the sailing ship Columbia. Clip number one. Oh, God. I am unprepared for you. All right. Hold on a second. Why? Why you no worky? Hey, shipmate. There we go. You have just set sail aboard the proud Columbia, an exact replica of the first American vessel to completely circle the globe. Forward amidships is the hatchway leading below decks, where you may see how sailors of the 1790s lived and worked while on the open sea. The original Columbia, a 10-gun, three-masted ship of 212 ton, left Boston Harbor on her maiden voyage in September 1787. In 1956, Walt Disney started thinking about the rivers of America. He stood alongside Disney executive Dick Nunes, looking at the river, I love Nick Dunes. <laughs> I, I, I gotta. <laughs> What's up, dude? I can't read. Why not? I don't are know. You, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I no. just can't read. So I, I'm hot. I just need a second. Dottie's over here. You want me to give her to you? I help you? All right. Also, I want you to take out when I said clip number one. Like I wanted it to just be like music and then that was the idea. All right. Well, when you get to that point, let me know. Do you want to start the show over? No. <laughs> no. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the. I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. Are you sure? Let's talk about Wade. Let's talk about Wade, baby. Let's talk about you and me. In 1956, Walt Disney started thinking about the rivers of America. He stood alongside Disney executive Dick Nunes, looking at the river. Even with the Mark Twain, the keelboats gliding through the waters, rafts going back and forth to Tom Sawyer's Island, and the canoes paddling near the shore, Walt turned to Nunes, who assumed Walt was going to comment on how busy the river looked, but instead he said, oh, do you have that? Have what? Oh, okay. Never mind. I'll just say it. What I asked you to have Walt say. Yes, I do. Okay. I didn't have a, I didn't have clip in there. Uh, What we really need is another big boat. Walt approached his trusted construction supervisor, Admiral Joe Fowler, with his idea. Now, if you remember, Fowler was a retired U.S. Navy admiral who held a master's degree in naval architecture from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and had extensive experience with shipbuilding, including constructing the Mark Twain and the dry dock at Disneyland. Walt, not wanting just any old ship, tasked Fowler with finding some kind of historic ship that they could use for inspiration. Fowler did a lot of research looking for the perfect ship, including surveying maritime museums across the country and considering Walt's affinity toward American patriotism brought to the table the idea of designing a ship after the Columbia Rediviva, the the first American sailing ship to circumvent the globe. The Columbia Rediviva's construction is debated. Early historians believe the ship was built in 1773 on the North River of Norwell, Massachusetts, by James Briggs. But later, authorities say that the ship was actually built in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1778 and then extensively rebuilt in 1787. Why don't we just go to the website and find out? (laughs) I mean, how hard is this, guys? Come on. We can't just go to the ship's website? Guess not. Man. Either way, in 1790, she became the first American ship to sail across the entire globe. The Columbia Rediviva was decommissioned and salvaged in 1806. Now, Walt loved the idea behind the inspiration and the narrative fit in perfectly with his patriotism. 
The problem, however, was that there was literally only a single illustration of this ship in existence. But one image is more than none. So, in 1957, after getting the go-ahead from Walt, Fowler commissioned architect, artist, and marine expert Ray Wallace to work with him on creating construction plans. Ray Wallace would later become known for designing the prop ship for Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl and Captain Hook's ship in Once Upon a Time. Wow, so he's still working. Yeah. That's a long career, man. It is. But in 1957, he was tasked with recreating a design with very little visual help. So using the single illustration of the Columbia Rediviva, along with research from the Library of Congress, Wallace sketched the original design for the sailing ship Columbia on none other than a napkin. While the commonly believed story is that Disneyland's Columbia is solely based off of the Columbia Rediviva, some nautical experts believe that the design is actually closer to the design of a famous British admiralty ship called the HMS Bounty. While researching historic ships, Disney's WED located the plans of a sim similar three-masted ship. Since there were no architectural plans for the American ship in existence, they settled on using HMS Bounty plans to represent the Columbia Rediviva. Sex Sex <laughs> wow. We're getting more and more Freudian, Taryn. I really need you to relax. I need you to calm down. Take a sip of water. Yeah, please do. Sections of the ship were then built in San Pedro at Todd Shipyards, 20 miles west of Anaheim, which you may remember had also built many pieces of the Mark Twain. At the time of its construction, it was the first three-masted sailing ship built in the United States in more than 100 years. Now, in contrast to the Mark Twain, sailing ship Columbia was an actual full-sized, very tall ship with no forced perspective used. The ship dwarfed her surroundings and ended up actually being several feet larger than the real Columbia Rediviva. Oh, she really gold bossed her way into the rivers of America, right? She did. <laughs> Thank you. The deck length is about 90 feet and the breadth across the deck is 24 feet, matching the original plans for the HMS Bounty. The sailing ship Columbia is constructed using a steel frame and... Everything under the waterline is also steel. Wood was laid over the steel frames above the waterline to make it look like a wooden boat. Nice. And unlike its inspiration, this ship has a very flat barge-like bottom suitable to run on the shallow river and run along the track. Same, which... honestly. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, the uh, Columbia at Disneyland doesn't actually sail. It isn't powered by wind. And instead, it has two propellers, which were originally powered by diesel engines, but now run off natural gas. Blaine Gibson sculpted the figurehead known as Columbia, the spirit of America. The purpose of having a figurehead on the galleons of these types of ships were twofold. One, it gave sailors a visual way to identify other ships, since many people on these ships were not literate. And two, there... <laughs> There was a belief that having a beautiful woman as the figurehead would entice the ocean gods and spirits and allow the vessel to proceed without harm. I love how even in the 1700s, we're like, you know what we need to do is essentially please the gods of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just in case, right? What's it going to hurt? Yeah, you never know, right? <laughs> never know. Yeah. During the final assembly of the ship, Joe Fowler let Walt Disney know that the that it was customary to put a silver dollar under each mast before it set sail. And Disney personally put one under each of the Columbia's three masts. You hear that, guys? It's a treasure hunt is what we're saying. <laughs> so go find it. Dig up the masts. The sailing ship Walt Columbia. Touched it. Walt touched it. You can sell it on eBay. Well, unfortunately, oh. <laughs> those disappeared when the masts were replaced in 1990. Search eBay, find out who's selling them. Yeah, that's true. I wonder where they are. I don't know. You know, someone had them and probably, you know, uh, brought them home and their kid took them for gum money or something like that. What I didn't understand is like under the mast, like I couldn't, I couldn't in my head imagine where that is. Like, where do you put it? I don't know. I guess you have the hole carved out for the mast and you flick a silver dollar in there and then you go oh, drive the mast yeah, on top of it. I don't know. Probably. Okay. Yeah. That, I guess, makes sense. It'd be a little flatter than most. Most yeah. silver dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the ship can hold 300 people for reals. And Disneyland claims that the cost to build the ship was guess. Just guess what they what they say, it, how much they say it was. Uh, $28 million. Eric? 
Three million dollars. A hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. What? In in 1957 money? I don't know. Not still not enough. Um, this seems like a very conservative amount, and many experts estimate that the cost was likely much higher. Why they're saying a hundred thousand is beyond me. It would be about a million eight in today. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's not a seaworthy ship, but come on. I mean, it looks mostly seaworthy. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, it's it, why so cheap. I don't know. Um, maybe maybe part of it is like the maybe the Mark Twain took a lot of that cost because the track was already there, and I don't. Mm. I assume that is part of that that cost. So it was literally just the ship, but that still seems like such a small amount to me. But especially when Jason's guessing twenty eight million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what do I know, man? Uh, the ship's christening. I can't even keep this room cool. I, what am I going to know for money? <laughs> True. The ship's christening took place on June 4th, 1958, and the details of the christening are widely misreported. According to Wikipedia, which is where everybody gets all their information, right? Joe Fowler dressed as an 18th century sailing captain, while the Mouseketeers appeared as his crew. However, According to Dan Simmons, a former Sea Scout, which is, as you can guess, basically a Boy Scout, but with an emphasis on water activities, remembers the day of the ship's christening in a different way. I was in the Sea Scouts based out of Redondo Beach in June 1958, and we were the crew on the Columbia for its maiden voyage. Uh, we were dressed in striped shirts and white pants. Walt Disney and Art Linkletter were both on the ship. I don't remember any musketeers being present, though. We were given a free day at Disneyland for being the crew that day. I also remember climbing the rat lines as well as looking down and seeing Walt Disney and Art Linkletter on the deck. We were all really looking for a net that day. <laughs> I love being a musketeer. <laughs> musketeer. Good job, Terrence. Those musketeers. Thank you, Terrence, Good for, Lord. Your, for your help. Yeah. Uh, so while Wikipedia and actually almost all websites reporting on the Columbia state that the Mouseketeers were Fowler's crew, according to an actual witness and participant who was there that day, this was definitely not the case. And the crew for the maiden voyage was a group of, I'm sure, very nice local Sea Scouts. So while Fowler put on a show, being the ship's captain for the day, it was actually Gretchen Richmond, the wife of A.C. Richmond, commandant of the U.S. Coast Guard at the time, who did the actual christening with a bottle of champagne. The attraction officially opened to all guests on June 14th, 1958. Now, guests wait for the ship inside a covered area called Frontier Landing, located in Frontier Land. And this waiting area, decorated with historical uh, American flags is shared with the Mark Twain riverboat. And every 25 minutes, the massive 110 foot long ship arrives and guests climb steps, also known as the brow, up into the main deck. Once on board, they're free to wander, including having access below deck. The sailing ship Columbia has undergone many extensive refurbishments over the years, but the only major change that took place was in 1964 when the Nautical Museum was added below deck. And even though Admiral A.C. Richmond retired in 1962, he returned in full uniform to inaugurate the Below Deck Maritime Museum, which gave guests a glimpse of how the ship's crew would have lived when the original ship sailed in the 18th century. Mm -hmm. The museum includes uh, replicas of the galley, the pantry, dry stores and sick bay, as well as crew, first mate, captain quarters exhibits. I like the the little museum they have down there. And it sort of shocks me how many people don't know that it's there. It's almost like a hidden secret or whatever, because just like the Mark Twain, you know, you assume that it's just more storage area for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody goes down there. Well, not nobody goes down there, but there's not a whole lot of people that go down there. Yeah. yeah. We need to make a video about yes. the hidden secrets of the Columbia. Yeah, I'll hold my hand up. Five secrets that you don't know about. Let's go. <laughs> uh, once the ship casts off, it begins its voyage around the rivers of America. And the ship, with its three masts, runs along the same track as the Mark Twain. The captain provides a running commentary throughout the 12-minute voyage around the river. And beginning our journey into the great American wilderness. Our vessel for this voyage is the proud sailing ship Columbia, the first American ship to carry the stars and stripes around the world. She's a 10 gun, three masted merchant ship. It was back in 1787 that she first set sail from Boston Harbor, going all the way around the Horn and sailing onward to the Pacific Northwest, Hawaii, and China. 
In the three years it took us to make that journey, Columbia was more than just a ship to us. She was our life and our home. And that's a really recent clip. That's actually a, a recording from June 2023. Oh, nice. Yeah. So along with the captain's ongoing commentary, you can also hear background music when you're on the ship and a selection of nautical songs such as Blow the Man Down. Clip number three. I'll sing you a song, oh, the fish show the sea. Way, hey, blow the man down. Come all ye young sailor men, listen to me. Oh, give us some time to blow the man down. Now first came the herring, saying I'm king of the seas. Way, hey, blow the man down. He jumped on the poop, oh, the captain will be. Oh, give us some time to blow the man down. Next came the... It almost sounds like Shama got on a little bit. Totally. Totally, brah. Totally, brah. As the ship passes Fort Wilderness, which is technically present still. (laughs) Sure, yep. um, On Tom Sawyer's Island, a Columbia cast member fires a very loud, if you've ever heard it, 12-gauge blank from one of the ship's 10 cannons. Now, in the past, the fort actually used to fire back using a cannon located on the island, which would have been pretty cool. Cast members have dubbed the Columbia the floating skillet because of how hot it gets piloting the boat without any cover during the summer. Good now, if man, you think about this boat, it's very flat. It's sure. all flat and it's I mean, it, it's multiple levels because you can go below deck. But like otherwise, everybody's just on the top deck. And like when they call it the skillet and I think about all the people on there, like for 12 minutes in the hot sun, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Like yeah. Almost more like a grill, but. <laughs> sure, a panini grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, on December 24th, 1998, tragedy struck when a heavy metal cleat, which is the thing that holds the, the rope. Like mm-hmm. on, a, on, on the, a, on the a, dock. Yeah, it's where from, you tie it up. From a dock to a boat. So yeah. a dock has one and a boat has one. Yeah. A heavy metal cleat fastened to the hull tore loose. An untrained cast member taking over for an attraction operator tried to stop the ship by tying down a mooring rope. For financial reasons, the standard hemp rope was replaced by an elastic nylon rope which stretched and tore the cleat from the ship's hull. 33-year-old guest Luan Fee Dawson suffered two major injuries to his brain in the accident and died after he was taken off life support a few days later. Oh. Liu Vong, Luo, uh, Luo, uh, Lewin's wife became also became disfigured, requiring plastic surgery for major cuts across her face. This wow. was the first guest death in Disneyland history that was not due to negligence on the part of the guest. Huh. Wow. OK. And the first death at the park since 1984. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah. So after the incident, Disney was fined by OSHA and ultimately put in place numerous safety measures to prevent a recurrence. They also settled a lawsuit for, uh, from the family for approximately, want to guess? $5 million. Eric, what do you think? $6 million. I hope you guys never get hurt at Disneyland. $25 million. There we go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> all right. Our families will not be cared for. <laughs> no. This incident brought about several new theme park regulations into California law, including independent inspection. Disneyland later made many changes in the way it operates the Columbia, adopting bell signals, changing docking procedures, and ultimately reviewing and updating all of its ride procedures. And due to the incident, Disney also brought back lead operators on most rides, which is an experienced position that had been phased out on many attractions, including Columbia. They also uh, implemented a full-time employee from the Anaheim Police Department at Disneyland for faster emergency responses. So some decent things came out of this. If you're looking for a a silver lining in this terribly sad story, um, I mean, while tragic in nature, obviously, it did lead to a safer park experience for us. Yeah, standing on the shoulders of giants. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Basically. Um, As with many other attractions, On January 11th, 2016, the sailing ship Columbia closed temporarily as the Rivers of America was adjusted to make way for the construction of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. The ship reopened on July 29th, 2017. And it's important to note that the sailing ship Columbia doesn't operate every day. It generally only operates on very busy days, which is probably every day now, or when the Mark Twain is not operating. On evenings when Phantasmic is being performed, the ship, um, which plays the role of the Black Pearl in that show, 
um, will also close at dusk. So if you see the sailing ship Columbia running, you should take advantage of your luck and sail around the rivers of America. Yeah. Or else. Or else you won't do it. I've been on it. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've never been on it at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah, never seen it running during a day that I was there. It seems like it's usually in dry dock. Yeah. You know, I think... Maybe I've been on it twice or three times. It is sort of like a special treat. Yeah. 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 So if you see it, do it. Yeah. Uh, It's a motto to live by. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The sailing ship Columbia was the perfect addition to Frontierland as it recreates the pioneering experience of the 18th century maritime and allowed Walt to include in his park a little bit of history from the early years of the United States that he loved so well. Even though it was probably mostly taken from the British, just like a lot of our, you know, culture and even our song, uh, you know, our national anthem or whatever it is. And blow the man down. And blow the man down. (laughs) Very good, Taryn. Thank you. You are welcome. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I want to jump through a couple bit news bits and then uh, we're going to stop and then we're going to go secret show where I have a litany of news bits to go through, including a little (laughs) bit of video. So that'll be fun too. So hang on our minds. Ears up. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And now, back to the show that ignites your dream wish of imaginations and magical color wonderment of forever. Ears up. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. Everybody. I got to think of what um, what news to bring up here. Because there's a lot. Is there? Yeah. Wow, and you did in-depth, too, this week. I know. I was having a hard time uh, with in-depth. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's also hard because I have news for this show that I don't normally new, do for the secret show. I have a lot more for the secret show. It's a whole thing. I don't know. But let's talk about D23. Destination D23 presented by Lug. I don't know what that means. Um, huh. but, but the uh, it doesn't sound like a good brand name. Lug. No. Lug. I mean, you big Lug, which is sort of like you goof. But yeah. um, I don't know. Lug. What is Lug? Eric, look it up for me. I'm looking up Lug right now. It'll be at the Walt Disney <laughs> World Lug? Resort September 8th through the 10th. It is sold out, but the uh, list of events has been released. And, uh, you know, I thought it'd be cool to kind of go through them and see what's going on, including some of the live stream stuff. So we will be live streaming. I'm just deciding this right now. We will be live streaming off and on Saturday, September 9th. Anyone who is unable to attend Destination D23 will be able to live stream all the magical announcements shared on Saturday, September 9th, 2023. Oh. And that'll be on their YouTube or Facebook page. Um, yeah, or just right off the website, I guess. So uh, you can't click on the image. That's fun. Good job. Good job, guys. <laughs> of course you okay, can. Okay, Saturday. Yeah. Oh. Lug sells bags. <laughs> I love bags. Oh. Duffels and travel accessories. Uh, bags apparel oh luggage um, yeah yep yeah, right uh, okay makes sense saturday morning september 9th you got uh, nine fifty. well nine o'clock in the morning is um is uh and imagine it's east coast time because it's at disney world the welcome then you have nine fifteen celebration of disney parks experiences and products yesterday today and tomorrow why are we celebrating things we've done y- yesterday like everybody knows about it. anyway there's a break. Uh, 1045 D23 updates. Then you have 1055 The Early Years. Oob, Oswald, and Mickey. That could be good. Yeah, and absolutely. I think these are I think these are the live stream stuff too. So that'll be cool to watch. 1115 100 Years of Classic Characters. You have a break. Two o'clock National Geographic Live. Secrets of the Whales. You guys. Oh yeah. 
So, you know, it's it's people who are, uh, you know, going to big poker games, uh, people who are buying tons of crypto and influencing the market, like stuff like that, I imagine, I guess. 235 Disney Cruise Lines, 25 years of innovation, uh, innovative design at sea. There's a break, 330 Marvel Avengers Beyond Earth's mind, Mightiest. Mightiest, sorry, I'm. Um, it's hard to see this as far away. Then 355, 100 years of innovation, magic in every medium. <laughs> At 420, yeah, brother, Epcot, always in the state of becoming. Yeah, because you guys keep screwing it up. <laughs> you know, you keep ruining it, and then you keep fixing the crap that you put in there, and then you ruin it some more. That's why it's always in the state of becoming. Um, then it says evening event later, and I don't know what that means. And then on Sunday. Do, uh, do you think it, it's one that happens in the evening? Yeah, well, probably, yeah. Okay. 9 a.m. is a Disney Studio Showcase. 1045, 100 years of Walt Disney Animation Studios. 1115, Disney Global Ambassador Showdown. Oh, geez. I don't know what that is. I mean, like a little quiz game or something? That might be fun to listen to, I guess. Like, who yeah. knows more? Maybe they just might battle to the death to who becomes the ultimate Ooh. ambassador, right? Um, pick the park that they go to. Yeah, eleven twenty-five. Weird Disney Centennial Edition. Okay, I don't know what that means, weird but I Disney. weird Disney. I would be interested in tuning into that. Okay. Uh, two o'clock. The road to nineteen twenty-three. Walt goes west. Two forty-five. Down the rabbit hole. The Disney you didn't know. Okay. Uh, three fifteen. A hundred years of creativity. A playful look at Disney imagination. And three forty five. See you real soon. A fantastic finale. And then at seven to, from seven to nine, the Hollow Stream costume bash. Oh, we watched that last year. I think that we was did, fun. Yeah. yeah, that should be fun. I liked that. So there you go. That's all happening. We will be. I don't know what we're going to be streaming, but we'll be doing it. Cool. Because I want to. That'll be fun. Pop in and out. Maybe schedule a couple of you guys on here and uh, to come and talk about stuff. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Let's see what else am I going to pop. I'll just end with. Um, <laughs> there is so much. Here we go. The menu for Tiana's Palace at Disneyland Resort. Thought it might be fun to, to yes. examine the food there, too, and try to find something that I find positive about this. Because you know how I feel about it. I think it's too much and we don't need it. Okay. I'm excited to hear this. Um, it will open on September 7th is when it opens on the in the resort. Come on, dude. I hate this friggin' website. USA Today is just the worst because all the ads pop and then it drops you to the bottom of the screen. It's like, <laughs> dude, um, Soul is coming to this food experience at Disneyland next month. See, already you shouldn't start off with that because Soul was a friggin' movie. So instantly I go, the movie? What's going on? I thought this was about Tiana's place. <laughs> The new restaurant features items Princess Tiana would serve in the restaurant she always dreamed of opening up. Well, she did at the end, dummy. Appropriately located in the New Orleans Square, in the New Orleans Square at Disneyland Resort in Southern California, there will be several Southern-style entrees at the quick service location, from a dish that anyone with dietary restrictions can enjoy to a twist on a classic Disneyland dessert. Okay. Okay, great. Whatever. Uh, here's the menu. There are five entrees to choose from, which includes two sandwiches and a gumbo that can have meat added. Awesome. Cold brew coffee is available. I don't know why it's cold brew. And a new type of beignet with the dessert getting a lemon filling and a glaze. I don't like the glaze. The lemon filling I'm okay with. Yeah, that's good. A a a beignet shouldn't have glaze. That's a donut. Well, right. Even even a filling. I don't think it should have a filling. Give me a dipping sauce. Give me give me a curd on the side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, here's the the menu. Beef po' boy sandwich. Okay. Muffaletta sandwich. I'd be interested in that. Muffaletta, it's probably going to be really expensive. The muffalettas are like have a lot of meat and stuff in them. So I would imagine it's going to be very expensive. Seven greens gumbo. And you can add chicken and andouille sausage. A Cajun spiced half chicken. There's a picture of it. It looks very moist. I will bet money that what you get will not look like this. <laughs> this is uh, very colored. It's very like dark, deep red. So it's definitely a lot of spices on it. It looks moist. Everything, the proportions are good. You you can't, there's no way. Sounds good. Yeah. Gulf shrimp grits, house gumbo, Joffrey's coffee, chicory, cold brew. Okay, it's, it's chicory. In Joffrey's. It. Okay. Yeah, Joffrey's back. because Starbucks. Starbucks doesn't do no? chicory, right. cold brew. So Joffrey's filling that space. House filled, house filled beignet. Why is that even a term? House filled. It's filled in house. No, we do it. We fill it ourselves. Them. Yeah, it's like, 
But also, does that mean they didn't actually make them? Well, make the beignet part. Well, at that point, <laughs> is it house made gumbo? Is it house Gulf shrimp grits? Is it house Cajun spiced half chicken? Like it just seems like a weird thing to say. Uh, kids menu: you can get a baked chicken leg, baked macaroni and cheese, and a ham and cheese sandwich. Okay. I, I actually think it all sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. I'm not, yeah, upset. not bad. I'm not upset about it at all. Although chicory coffee isn't my favorite. I had it once. And I oh, like it. I, I love chicory coffee just yeah. because it's not something I have all the time. Oh, like what it is brings that? me back to, it brings me back to new Orleans. It's, it's a, a, I mean, ultimately it's, it's like an chicory is an additive. It's a root, a dried root that is very bitter. Yeah. So it okay. introduces a very specific flavor to it. And it's kind of something where you make, you're kind of diluting the coffee and making it a little bit cheaper. But it's one of those things that's like uh, a Cafe du Monde is, is like the iconic beignet and chicory oh, coffee yeah. place in New Orleans. Okay. And that's chicory coffee. So that's one of those flavors that's mm-hmm. just really very New Orleans, very Southern. And yeah, it brings me back to there. And I just because nice. it's something I don't have all the time. Love it. Every time I can get it. I love it. Yeah, I had it once and 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 probably being out of that place, out of New Orleans, outside of there. Mm-hmm. What am I trying to say? It's almost <laughs> like I think being a part, being there and having it ties it to you. It almost like trauma mm-hmm. bounds into it in a little way. Oh, so yeah, I, I you didn't really you care been for in New Orleans, right? No, and I desperately want to go. Yeah, but um, yeah, the, the you know one I had it was like in the yellow can. You can buy it by the supermarket over. It doesn't really mm-hmm. taste very good, um, but I'm sure there you know everything is everything is different. So I'll definitely check it out. But yeah, I don't know, man. Menu sounds good. Um, someone in the chat, Kiki's in the chat, and uh, saying uh, for theme park food, Disneyland is generally great, and we definitely Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But I've, like with a muffaletta and like a half a chicken, it doesn't seem like a quick service restaurant. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean? is, is, yeah. is it is it a sit down place? Well, it's the French Market, so yeah. But I guess they still call it quick service because maybe because you can't get a resi, and that's why. Okay, I don't know actually. I don't know I, what the difference. I guess I just is. wasn't sure if it, if it took over. I was a little confused if it took over. Cafe Orleans. Yeah, that's the other. It, that's I, the sit down one. With the, I don't think it did because yeah, French Market is just the little place where you would get the beignets and the coffee. I get those between. two things confused. So so don't take my word for it as a as a <laughs> Disney expert. It was yeah, the, it's it's the Karen's big got it. it's the area where there's like um you get your food inside and then you go and you sit outside and there's a band playing. Okay, it is the quick service where you get the mint julep. Yeah, is right, that closer right. to the train? That's station. what we're talking about. That's where this is. I don't know. I think I thought it was Cafe Orleans. Should I look no, it I up? I think it's, yeah, double check us. Cause yeah, the last time I was there, this, that particular area, the, the French market in between where the jazz band played, that was closed, but we still went to Cafe Orleans for dinner. And um, yeah, we, we yeah, it's to, the French market. We went to Club 33 too. And that Ooh. part of the windows were closed. Oh, yeah, because they're doing the, the construction right there. So it's wow. all, all kind of intertwining, but uh, yeah, French market. that's what's Tiana's. Yeah. Okay. French okay. market. Okay. There you go. So it so it, it is quick service. It is quick service. But um, that food sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Let's I do mean, it. I'll, I'll try it. Sure, maybe a couple times. Who knows? All right, we're gonna get out of here, everybody. I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you are looking for the secret show, which we're gonna start in about fifteen minutes, jump over to Patreon, grab that link, and then uh, I'll probably just start the thing now and then play some music while we go make our drink and stuff like that. And we'll be on uh, definitely by nine thirty if you don't want to do that. But uh, Anyway, check that out, patreon.com slash ears up. And uh, if you're listening to this now and you go, what's the secret show? It's not too late. Go sign up. You get a back catalog of all the secret shows, all that kind of stuff. What just happened? Why did my music stop? <laughs> I was there like, wow, <laughs> what he's saying must be very important. Yeah, so, yeah. let me, uh, <laughs> everybody be quiet. Let me pitch our Patreon. <laughs> not like we do it every show. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, so check that out. If you want to go to our Etsy shop, etsy.com slash shop slash coveyors. We've got a ton of cool shirts. Got a mug. All that kind of stuff. Taryn's wearing our new Oswald shirt right now with the churros. I think it's great. Apparently nobody else does. I don't I really care. I have it in blue. Yes, ah. you do. I'm not wearing it. So I'm wearing a Jungle Cruise. This is my, basically I have I have one shirt. Uh, uh, you caught me on an off on laundry day because I'm not wearing one of my t-shirts, basically. I just wear nice. my own clothes. I just wear the, we make a t-shirt on, on the shop and I just <laughs> buy it and I wear it. Like, I don't know. I'm that is like true. That. Yeah. All right, good, everybody. Good th- philosophy. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>